All right, welcome everybody to our first episode of Live, Laugh, Love Real Estate, Conversations with Lisa Loveland and Costa Hansis. We wanted to do this kind of medium because it's really important that our clients trust us and gaining trust happens over time and oftentimes these transactions happen so quickly that people don't really get a chance to feel that comfortable right. and it's really important for our brand so we wanted to put something together like this that would educate people about real estate talk about mindset have it be fun have it be um, informative and really get our audience and clients to understand who we are personally and what our brand represents and how you'll feel and what you can expect should you decide to work with us. Yeah, I don't think I could have said it any better. Same reasons there. I think this is just more of a honest kind of just, it's tough to really get a sense of who we are through social media. I mean, we have post pictures, we post our listings and different things like that, but it's really tough in that short form content to really get a true understanding of who we are. So definitely, I'm super excited to do this podcast. I think it's going to be super fun to do different episodes, Absolutely. bring on different guests, kind of go with the flow and see what comes up and yeah. see kind of if we find somebody <laughs> interesting or like this person would be great for the podcast, we'll bring them on, but kind of non-scripted. Absolutely. Non Completely informal. Um, and Hey, if you guys think of anything you'd like us to do, you know, reach out. We, you know, we want this to, to be inclusive and collaborative. Um, both Cost and I, uh, come to this business with a very similar mindset. Uh, we're, very big into setting intentions. We're positive thinkers. We've got a lot of energy and we both um, have a huge tendency and love of thinking outside of the box. And real estate is the industry itself is changing. And I think it's difficult for some of these big brokerages to actually make those turns. I think smaller groups, if they are paying attention and going towards voice and going towards video and going towards this type of content instead of the old, you know, knocking on doors, calling people at dinner. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, I mean, I'm not picking up the phone. I don't know anybody who is. So we kind of came up with this idea to um, see what we can do that's a little different and, and, and meet our clients' needs and, and change as the industry is changing. Be a little bit ahead of it. You always want to be a little bit ahead of that or uh, it, it kicks you in the behind. Very true. And you definitely know more about that than me and I guess kind of the first thing we can start about this is like the initial episode so people don't might not know too much about us not know like a little bit of background so I'll start by asking you Lisa kind of explain a little bit like how you got started in real estate when did you get started in real estate what made you decide to go into real estate yeah it's it's a it's that it's a great question um and I always answer that by saying um if I didn't it was my hobby if I didn't have to work and I do um, it's what I it's what I would do as a hobby, um, and I I was in uh, corporate America prior to getting into real estate. There was a lot of politics, a lot of travel, and the money was great, but the quality of life wasn't. And I'm very much about work life balance, very much about a quality of life. And for the amount that we put in, the effort we put in, the time we put in to make a living, gosh, if you can find something you love, uh, that's amazing. And I did. So I didn't actually think I would sell real estate. I thought I would do more of a design build flip. And um, I realized that there's there a lot more to look and risk in that. And I, that, that wasn't going to be where I would go to actually, you know, do a career. So I started selling and, um, and I loved it. I've worked with Caldwell Banker. Um, and then I came to Keller Williams in 
2009. Keller was the closest place. There's there's different models of brokerage, and this was a brokerage model that worked for me because it was the it is the closest thing to running your own business without having to have all the uh, liabilities and, and develop all the technology, which as we all know is so important right now in this in this industry. So I've been here since 2009, and um, I wouldn't be anywhere else. That's awesome. Yeah, I kind of think the same thing as soon as you said own your own business it really is owning like your your own business you have to set your own hours it's really your duty to whether or not you want to work how many hours you're going to put in but everybody seems to i guess the question we get it a lot whenever we're ever on appointments or anything like that is do we do this full time and what is your thoughts if like people i mean i have my answer to that because it's it's tough to really definitely looking on the outside in it's easy to say like oh real estate agents only do X, Y, or Z, but there's a whole lot of other things that go into it besides those showing listings and just going, going into beautiful houses. Oh yeah. No, this job could be a shit show. (laughs) Yes, for sure. I mean, you've, you're a therapist, you're a financial planner, you're their best friend, their worst friend. There's, there's so many emotions that go on in this job. So, uh, full-time, yes, absolutely full-time, unless you want to be a referral partner. But if you're not doing it full time, it's really too hard um, to get any kind of consistency um, in your production. Right. Um, now, full time, are we working from seven in the morning till seven at night? No. Um, you know, you, you've got to be effective and efficient. You have to understand what you're doing and make sure that it's actually worthwhile. Um, and you have to delegate a lot of um, tasks and responsibilities that you that aren't really your yours to be the expert at right you know be a real estate agent don't be a real estate agent and a lender and an attorney it's there's too much liability you know this is why we it's very important to have good partners when you have good partners i consider them part of our team and that's why we are so able and effective at getting deals done because we know when to delegate and who to hand it off to and who's going to be a good fit so yes, it's full. You have to be full time, but you're you don't need to work eighty hours a week. If you're working eighty hours a week, um, you probably uh, want to come for some coaching. <laughs> I agree with that. I think um, should we give them a little bit of background of how we kind of formed the Loveland Group? Because you were, of course, if people probably know us, especially everybody in the industry knows you were individually an individual agent before. I think the team structure is. When you started, was the team structure as common as it is now or some sort of different structure where it's like more of a collaborative effort or was just very, or what was the reason you per se wanted to be a solo agent versus a team or any sort of thing, variation of that? Because now there's like what? There's There's variation. There's, yeah, you can be hybrids, teams, groups, individual teams. I don't, I don't understand. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. I I never wanted to be a team. I've been in management. I realized how difficult it is when somebody doesn't think like you, doesn't work like you. Um, so I, I really wasn't interested in, in managing. And the economics of a team never made sense to me either. Uh, so um, you're the brand. And I always thought, she's having a team. That's like me going to my hairdresser for a great cut and color. And all of a sudden, he's very successful and well-known, and his assistant is doing my hair wasn't where I wanted to go. I was the brand, I, and I, I actually, I love it. I love selling. I didn't want to give that up. However, I did get to a point in my production where I couldn't really go much further 
um, and, and have any kind of balanced life. Um, so I tried to mentor people and then, you know, they could go out on their own. Uh, that didn't work so great. Um, you were actually the reason <laughs> that, like. that I decided to do a team. And this is a great story. I had a, I had a client in the seaport. Um, he's looking at about $2 million properties. And we were going back and forth and back and forth. And we we'd get so close to identifying something. And then, you know, they, they, there was some nervousness there. And this happens an awful lot. Right. Moving from the suburbs into the city, you're doing this big downsizing. It's, it's a major change in life. And you want to make sure it's the right change, especially when you are, you're paying that kind of money to live in the city. So my clients did decide that they didn't want to buy, they did want to rent and kind of just test out that area. So off we go to the Watermark, which is a great, was a great new building, the Seaport, where Mr. Costa was the guy taking us around and showing us places. Well, we identified a place, we get the lease going, we negotiated it, it was, it was a very good deal. And lo and behold, my clients came back and wanted an even better deal. Now, for all of you that know me, I'm fair. And I'm not looking to you know, screw somebody over just to get a deal. It's not going to keep you along in this business, and people aren't going to want to work with you. Uh, but there are times we work for our clients. There are fiduciary responsibility. Um, you got to do the best you can. So I went to Costa, and I said, uh, you know what? Please d don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> But if you try could not yeah, try not to shoot the messenger, but if you could do X, you know, talk to your, your bosses and, and, and see what you can do. And, um, and I, I'll owe you. So he comes back and he gets it done. And I, so he said, yeah, well, thanks. And, you know, could I take you out for coffee and, and talk about the real estate business? I said, absolutely. Geez, that's all, this, all he wants. Um, so we did. And long story short, he reminded, he's a, he's a young guy. He's incredibly talented and creative, hardworking. Um, you don't see that a lot. Do you mind if I say your age? You can. Okay. I don't mind at all. He's 24. Freshly 24. Freshly as a, as 24. I mean, I could be his mother. Um, and he reminded me of myself. You reminded me of, I, told, I tell you this all the time. Yes. You reminded me of me at, at, yeah. at 24 when I started out in corporate America. And I said, oh, geez, I can't let this kid's wings get clipped. My wings got clipped. You know, right. you're not, I wasn't allowed to really be who I was. I wasn't allowed to, you know, execute some of my ideas that have been out of the box, but they're effective. I never believed in a 40-hour work week for a salesperson. And I was more than comfortable to tell that to people. If you hired me, you hired me. And if you didn't, that, that's okay. But again, people that know me, you, you know where I stand. You know, what you see is what you get. Um, and so cost, and also in this industry, you, you can age out of it. If you're not up with technology and keeping yourself relevant, you're gonna lose a tremendous part of the market. So I decided to develop a team, a small team, and bring in people that had dual functions where you're going to be in production, but it takes a while to get up to speed and to start producing. But I also wanted to bring in um, all of the creative aspects of this business. You know, we bought this podcast equipment. We have a drone. We do our we, we source out the photography, but um, we do our own videos. And I wanted to do that because it's it's very hard and very expensive to outsource that because right. they don't the person as good as they could be, they don't know you. They don't, so no. you and I had a vibe, we have a chemistry, and you're with me all the time. So we can get our brand across more effectively 
We can do it at any time. It's like, oh, you know what? Looks like a great day. We're feeling up in the energy because you're not always up. That that's a, that's a super unrealistic. And we go out and we do it. Versus, oh geez, we've got this scheduled for June fifteenth, and it's April. I mean, you don't know what's going to come up. You don't know how you're going to feel. You don't know what's going on. So I think this brings a real organic and authentic feel to our brand and to our group. So um, really excited, really excited to do this. And we do have a part-time person as well, Michael Sherman, who's fantastic. Um, he's more of a referral agent at this point until he decides to come on um, full, full time. But what it does give is it gives us another person to kind of cover when Cost and I can't cover. So uh, my goal isn't to grow to a large team, but to be a really dynamic and effective and efficient team that people, when they hear our name and have done business with us, are excited. It's all about enthusiasm. It's exciting. We sell lifestyles. Right. And, and if we miss that, a lot of agents, well, here's the two bed, two bed, stainless steel, Wolf Appliances, who, who cares? I mean... That, that's I'm not buying that. that there's a, a lot of money to spend on on those specific amenities. But aren't you buying a motion and, and a lifestyle? You walk in, it looks clean and crisp. You forget that you're bringing all your stuff, but you feel good when you're in that house. Real estate, it, it's a commodity. It trades like every other commodity does, but where we can have an impact is on the emotional component of that trade. And that's where we come in. Real estate agent can't sell your house. I can't make a buyer spend more than he wants. I can't make a seller drop. But what I can do is get a win-win situation with both of those parties and have everyone feel good emotionally come up with terms and conditions of that deal that work. And that's, that's typically our philosophy, our philosophy. I don't think I could have said that any better it's crazy to think was it i think it was around or last month probably last year that that was at the seaport when we met right i think yeah, it was like yeah. march of last it year it was march you came on in um in, in july yeah so i think july 6th or something right after independence day yeah it was something like that that's why i remember <laughs> it was something after that date but it, it's crazy just to speak on um that whole idea of how we met and especially for me being uh, you touched upon new into the world and having your wings clipped. For me, I think it was being so young, especially that first job out. And I just did a, the reason why it's funny you said that is I actually did a YouTube video. It's actually coming out today where I talked about, uh, is college worth it? And I was going to talk about what you should do after college. And there's just different routes that certain people take. And I feel as though I can only speak from experience, but someone that's like in that sort of role who never wanted to do that like nine to five role, mm -hmm. which is what it was at the seaport, what I was doing in terms of that leasing, but it was only at a specific building. If you're familiar with what, what a leasing professional is, that's technically my title at the job, but it's like being a real estate agent, but for the same building, but it's not, doesn't have that flexibility. And then I think just meeting you and just hearing somebody such like a breath of fresh air in terms of like what real estate actually is about and not necessarily there's a lot of connotations that come with real estate like what you what people expect out of you the right way to sell and you touched upon it not being able to you can't just force somebody to buy or sell it's all emotion it's the same yeah. reason why like, you can show somebody a million dollar house but they could buy a 10 million dollar house or they could buy no house at all the emotions is like the biggest thing um and especially i 
it was an emotional decision when I decided to leave that job. And for anybody that's graduating college or like close to college, my biggest thing in advice is to people in that age bracket, it really doesn't matter if you're just, there's a lot of things that are connotations that come along with different things. And there's ways that things should be done. But the thing is, you're going to regret it. And I would have regret staying at that job. I really had two decisions, either stay at that job and not take the opportunity to learn from someone like you and really take a risk and a leap because it's a completely different ball game. You're going from that nine to five steady paycheck where they say it's steady, but at the same time we learned from COVID that it's not necessarily (laughs) steady. We learned a lot from COVID. (laughs) Yeah, we did learn a lot from COVID. Um, But if you're a young person out there and you have a dream to do something different, whether that's social media or taking, there's so many different routes. Now there's almost too many that it's tough to even set up on one. There's like drop shipping people do, starting stores, buying and reselling. But my whole philosophy is like, um, just, I guess the best thing to do is if there's somebody in your local market that you want to be like, go after them, reach out to them, be persistent and just tell them that you'll, you'll honestly work for free. I mean, that's pretty much what being a real estate agent is. You're working for free yeah, until, until you build your business. Exactly. Yeah. So and, yeah. It's just, it's almost surreal at the same time too, just to, to see, have that vision in mind. Cause I feel as though a lot of people probably want to do that, but they never take the leap. And for me, it was tough. Cause like it was COVID when I left that job doing that and decided to come on board with you. Right. And I left that, but I, there's absolutely no, zero regrets. Um, people ask a lot of the times too. And I feel as though I like telling that story, especially to people around my age, um, people that are still in college and they ask like, oh, how's work going? Like I try to tell that story as best as possible because in, in, through my YouTube thing is being vulnerable. Yeah. Um, but if you have a goal, pretty much if you just have a dream, just go out there. You got to go for it. You got to, you got to get rid of the shoulds. I mean, there's one thing, you know, and everything is also age appropriate. You know, you, you want to, I always call it a, you know, you you can't be 40 and act like you're 25. Right. And you don't need to act like you're 40 when you are 25. So it's all age appropriate and there's always risk and, 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 but we have to have calculated risks. I always, and this, we're going to have mindset podcasts too, that will talk more about this stuff, but I always call it my 80, 20 rule. Yep. 80% scared shit. I mean, I'm sorry, 80% <laughs> confident, 20% scared shit. <laughs> yes. And so, you know what? That's when you make the leap. And you, you struggle through that 20%, but then you get to your next plateau and you have another choice. Do you stay there or do you take your next 20% leap? That's how I see a journey through life. And life in personal life is, is no different than business. Um, you, you just deal with, you know, some different topics and a little less or more emotion. But... Um, You've got to be able to have ideas, the enthusiasm about them and the passion, and then you have to be able to execute. So oftentimes people make the mistake of just having too many things. It's nothing but creative and they can't, you know, get it out of the pipeline. Um, or you're, you're not, ex- you don't have enough ideas and you're always executing on things that aren't that impactful. So one of the ways I start my morning is with strong intentions. And one of the things when you have strong intentions and you set them, it's really important. It sounds a little contradictory, but it's really important to let go of the outcome. Absolutely. Because we don't know how we're going to get there. We just know we want to get there. So life can throw us all kinds of twists and turns. So if we set very strong intentions, we'll attract it. And we don't have to worry about the outcome because the outcome's going to come. I never worry about the money. The money will come. 
it's an energetic it's an energetic flow if you're you're in good flow which you're creative and you're balanced um the door's open for you things come your way that are supposed to come your way if you're restricted and full of shoulds and unhappy and unhealthy and not working out and eating bad foods well you reap what you sow so exactly um it's kind of an exciting place to be right now in life and in and in this industry i think um you know social media like it or don't like it but it's here to stay and it's really an incredible way to level the playing field on branding. I mean, even just doing what we're doing right now would have been absolutely unaffordable five years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. we'd have a marketing company or a media company, and, and look what we can do now. Yeah. So if you have good ideas and you are creative and you're willing to work and execute, the world's your oyster. The world is yours for my... Uh... Yeah favorite movie out there everybody knows me I love I love Scarface and the world the world is yours it's such a, it's such a stereotypical movie to, to pick but I, yeah. at least not that sort of go out like the way he did or yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah, his route of success <laughs> we'll choose a more legal and more exactly. ethical way but the whole idea is there about as you just said if you have ideas and you, and you want to go do something like don't be afraid to go do it people will tell you no but people also tell you yes people will support you people will talk behind your back it's going to happen and the second you just pretty much let go and don't really give a shit what people else, right. what other people think. It's so, for, like, especially now in the it, podcast. Like, yeah. And you know what I've learned uh, because I'm so much older than you? I, my gosh, every time I try to do something right and make sure all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed, use, use, crossed, use the right tone, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> still somebody finds something at fault with me. So right. at this age, I pretty much know who I am. I feel good about who I am and hopefully others I'll attract like for like. <laughs> exactly. I think especially like me doing YouTube and stuff, the more you just like think about what you're going to say. And you think if you think about messing out, if whether you're giving like a class presentation and you're always worried about what to say and sales, same thing in terms of like scripts and different things like that. If you're always worried about the next thing that you're supposed to say, you're never going to be present in the moment. And you're going to forget what they even told you. And you're not the, yes. our mission statement. What, what for the people that don't know, what oh, is our mission? Yeah, statement? Our, here's our mission statement. It's um, we are here to educate, advocate, negotiate and listen. We will get you to the closing table simply, smoothly, supportively, with a lot of fun and no surprises. And so, and th that was a very easy mission statement, to, mission statement to come up with. We didn't have to think too much about it because it's yeah. actually just what we do. So when you're authentic and organic, and people will trust you. If I have, what did they say? You've got a minute to get to know someone. If I'm trying to figure out what you're going to say for the first 30 seconds, you're trying to figure out how I'm going to say for the 30 seconds. Oh my goodness. What a shame. We just missed that opportunity. Yeah. Because we weren't open to listening. We don't always have to have the right answers. We don't even have to have answers. We have to be in a nice flow with the other person where we're listening and they feel heard and that brings the trust. Scripting, we're, we're, not, we're not litigators. I'm not going to get you on a technicality because you answered a question right or wrong and all of a sudden you're signing on the line to you know, oh, sell yeah. your house. I mean, it right. cracks me up. If I were to be able to give you 10 more sales a, a oh, month, God. would that be something that you'd be interested making in? Making my brain hurt Oh my that. God, making it's my true, brain though. hurt It's true though. That's yeah. what a lot of people are, are taught and it's sure there's going to be outliers and everything that could work for somebody. Hey, like if you do that, or do that, that, that can work and that's fine. We're not discouraging that. Like if that's what works for you, you're that type of person, then maybe that's for you. But learning from you, you're just more, it comes so natural 
and it's more of that that friendship. You talk to somebody like the client, like they're your friend. And you yeah. don't have to be best friends at the end of the day, but you can right. treat them like a friend and make sure that they're taking care of and creating a customer experience That's right. like that. And, you know, one of the things that, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because I don't want to sound like this is the only way to do it. My goodness, there, for every person there is out there, there's, there's, they have their own style. And as long as, as long as it's your style and you, and it's your personality, you're going to attract something that's like that. If you come across as really sweet, but you know that that's not really your, your style and you're incredibly impatient at some point in this deal, you're going to become that person. Right. And that that's a problem. So be who you are throughout the entire transaction. I have never been, I actually have a 25%, uh, um, lack of, uh, 25% retention rate that I, I'm saying it the wrong way. I assume I'm going to lose 25% of my database year after year because I don't keep in touch enough. I've struggled with that. Um, I'd like to have a personal life. I'm actually an introvert with a lot of energy. (laughs) I don't, um, I don't necessarily like always going out with clients and, and you know, and I, 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 it's they could in the next five years they could marry a real estate agent get a best friend that's a real estate agent you know you pick up the phone oh jesus lisa calling again so i've never <laughs> been comfortable with that um i i have friends and family and i i, I want to spend time with them going out to dinner not with my clients so i think sometimes like fences make good neighbors contracts make good business letting people know what to expect in your relationship during this transaction before and after makes our clients feel more comfortable that they don't have to worry about me calling and asking them out for dinner when they have their life too. Um, my insurance people, my stock market, they're awesome, but I don't have a personal life with them. So that's one area that is a weakness for me, but you can turn it into something that's neutral or a positive by explaining how you work right and setting appropriate expectations exactly i think for the process and the person exactly i mean i think that's even more prevalent in today's world of of sales in general that whole idea of we talk about a lot in terms of the internet and different providers like zillow apartments and all those different platforms that you can search online there's a lot more information out there readily available like back in 20, 30 years ago, if you wanted to book a flight somewhere, you couldn't go online to a hotel or Trivago, oh, yeah. snap a finger and do that. You had to go to a travel agent. They had something that you, they had the information that they felt as though you needed to directly go out to them. Mm-hmm. And I think especially now in the world of doing content, there's a different strategy in terms of sales, in terms of like the uh, traditional cold call, phone prospecting like that, or the content Gary V base where it's, Hey, we're putting out content like this podcast. This is content right here That's that, right. that we want people to hopefully listen to again, the first episode, we're both super excited to do this and it will evolve in terms of what we talk about, but real estate will always be the foundation of it. And this is our way of giving tips to people and really getting people an honest inlook on us. Cause a lot of people say real estate, we're not selling homes really. That is part of it, but we're selling trust and you need to get right. people to really, how else can you get people? I, I don't, tr- the thing, especially not today is that whole phone strategy and different things like that is 
I don't know who's calling. I don't really know that person. But if I go to their Instagram, okay, this person called me or this business, if I'm going out to a restaurant, I can go search. Be like, okay, this restaurant looks like a cool vibe. I think this would be fit. This is their hours. This is when I can go. Oh, this yeah. person said this about that. I feel comfortable going there. And you can really get an honest outlook and, and not be blindsided. And I feel as though you can't make that connection. And the other thing with content too is, which is not the same if you're always actively having to call people, the content's always out there. So people, right. you, when you sleep, people can be watching your content. That's right. And seeing the I mean, podcast. We want people to be listening to this podcast when they're paying their bills, right? you know, when they're making <laughs> dinner, when um, you get up on Saturday morning and you have coffee with Lisa and Costa. Um, Sounds good to me. Yeah. And, um, oh, you said something that I wanted to parlay on. Oh, um, with, with all of this Zillow and, and all right, of these right. other places where people can, it used to be real estate agents were the only way that you could get access to that information. And so realtors didn't really have to work that hard. Right. So again, the internet and all of this has, has leveled that playing field too. So if you're still an agent that's going out and, 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 and your value is to find them these properties, you know, you're, you got a couple of years left of the business <laughs> because then we've got to change sure. our value proposition. Our value proposition is not showing you can find those houses now, but you need to have an experienced agent who knows how to negotiate and strategize through this market and who has very good relationships with the other agents in your market. That's relationships are how deals get done. Other agents do business with agents they trust. So if you come to the table and you're nothing but someone who's trying to nickel and dime everything and act like you're this fabulous negotiator, boy, you know, you're going to get a few deals. But somebody comes across that's easy to work with, is open to a win-win solution on both sides for buyer and seller. Those are the, the men and women that are going to be in this business a lot longer. Um, it's why 10% of the people do 90% of the, um, the transactions. And others find it very difficult to, to get this um, ball up in the air. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing too with the, you always talk about too, and it's not really as popular today. You don't assume, especially before, but you think that any type of sales business is there's one winner and there's a loser, but there, this is in you. I've learned this from you. And a lot of the stuff I, I learned from you specifically is like think that things that I always thought were true and always what I kind of believed in, but what's common and known in society is not popular in terms of sales. It's like, you should be ruthless and this is a ruthless business and you need to go out there and it, it just not screw people over, but you got to be tough. And, but it's really more of, and you just touched upon there. It's the, that win-win situation is you should set it up for both parties that they're both getting something out of it. They're both happy with the outcome because yeah. that leads to the best any, any, outcome. Anybody can be a bully, right? You know, a, a, anybody can push, push, push. It, it's, that's actually not a good negotiator. Um, a good negotiator is able to be five steps ahead of this process and understand what is coming next and, you know, push it aside, make for a clean, clean, uh, uh, transaction, clean move to the, to, to the finish line. It doesn't, you don't have to bang heads. Somebody doesn't have to overpower the other person in order for a deal to get done. And, you know, actually those deals have a lot of problems when they start like that because people are eventually going to have a voice. They might just not have it while they're being bullied, but all right. of a sudden, you know, they're backing out just before the purchase and sale and you have no idea why. Well, because you never let them speak. They weren't heard. They didn't feel their needs were met or listened to. So if that gets accomplished in a different style of negotiating, 
both parties feel that this is going to be a nice handoff and they cooperate and the agents cooperate and collaborate. Exactly. That whole idea of, again, if that other techniques work for you, I'll be best of luck to you. Yes. But as we talk about, there's, there's only one of you out there, at least in this, this planet or galaxy. So you might as well double down on that person more than anybody. If you like to do it in X, Y, Z style, then by all means do that. And then if that doesn't work, then then try something new, but don't be afraid to be stuck to the traditional ways of things are done. Question things. I like to always ask, and we talk about too, is always ask why and the whole idea. If there's something you don't like, if you're, we're looking at this, I don't know, I'm looking at this podcast little box gadget we have right here. If I don't like some design after using it, it's like, okay, how can I make it better? And then do something to make it better. Don't be afraid. I don't like a light or anything. Look around you and be present to be, how can, and the biggest thing in business is the true entrepreneurs are problem solvers. Elon Musk, problem solver. Jeff Bezos, problem solver. They solved a problem that a lot of people had, but they wouldn't have been able to do so if they weren't actively thinking, okay, how can we make this world a better place? And the same things as real estate. We're problem yeah, solvers. Absolutely. And because we're usually involved with people, real estate is nine times out of 10, their biggest investment. And it's a, it's a huge commitment and stirs up a lot of stuff within somebody. So we're helping them make those decisions. They have a problem. The problem is I've outgrown my house or I need a different environment. I'm going to be working from home and I need more of an office. I'm going through, we're getting married, starting a family. We're getting divorced and separating our households. Right. Those are all, even if they're good stressors, they're stressors. And, you know, we've been brought up society and I think it's a good rule. You're not supposed to talk about money and your finances. Oh, yeah. And here we are in the biggest financial transaction of our life, trusting someone we've known for about 30 minutes. It's crazy. So, you know, when you start to break it down like that, it's understandable why this can be a a complicated, uh, tricky, erratic process. Um, And it's all the more reason why you need to have an agent that is analytical, so they know the market, has good relationships with other agents in the market. Um, And you might not know that right off the bat, but you will know how you feel when you talk with them. And that's really, really important. You have to be able to feel that this agent is going to listen to you and understand this is your process and guide you through it, not make it about them. Not push your price limits, not push your, your, your terms, it's very, very, very important to feel comfortable to communicate honestly with whatever agent you choose to take you through this process. Absolutely. The honesty, transparency thing's huge, especially we've been kind of taught, oh, don't tell, show all your cards. If, for example, if you're like a client um, and you hire a real estate agent sometimes or whatever sales business it is or a business in general, you, you feel like you want to withhold your true intentions. But if you withhold that information, if I hire you, Lisa, as a real estate agent mm-hmm. and I'm looking to, and we'll probably do one little segment here where we do a little Q and a, um, and talk about this. But the thing is we've been taught to almost like withhold information. If you're my real estate agent and I hire you and I'm, I'm looking to, I'm a first time buyer, let's say, and I'm looking to buy a home and I fail to really be transparent and be honest with you and tell you, hey, this is what I can spend, this is my limit, this is what I want, um, this is X, Y, or Z, this is what I can do, and if I don't feel comfortable doing that, then you can't do your job then. So you're right. not gonna get the result 
at the end of the day, if I'm not telling you, Lisa, this is too expensive or I don't feel comfortable this or I don't know if I can afford that much. What should I do there? And if you don't feel comfortable trusting your real estate agent, then they can't, how are they supposed to do to act the best on your part then? At exactly. The same time too. So exactly. we don't want to make people feel again, going back to the podcast, the long form content right here is to get a more in look and of course, bring some mindset stuff and some different things and guests there. But again, really get an in look on who we are as people. Yeah. Cause as you said, 30 seconds, you're making, especially this market in Boston, we talk about luxury and different things like that, but Boston's real estate market in Massachusetts in general is a lot higher than a lot of different states and areas all around the country. It's a different market. Everything's pretty expensive, especially in the city. Yeah. Uh, and you're making a big purchase and it's tough to really try. And we get it. The thing is we get it. It's like a lot of people try to avoid overcome objections for different things. Right. They're worried about, about, Oh, what if this person says that if I don't say the right thing there? Um, but it's, that's kind of the downfall at the end of the day if you're not upright and honest and transparent. Yeah, and, and especially in this market where it's, it's, it's a fast-paced market, we don't, we don't have enough supply. And I don't see that changing at all. People always ask me, what do you think the market, what's going to happen in the market? That's my next question. Ah! <laughs> Q&A, what are your right. thoughts on today's my market? Everybody's to- favorite question. <laughs> they see you in the street. What do you think about the market? Right. Well, I'll let you talk about that. You know that, that question, but it's so... So many different answers to yeah. one question. So I was going to finish by saying the reason you need to have a good communication with your agent is because it's fast. You don't have time to build that. You've got to be able to be honest with each other and set the appropriate expectations. I always say, you know, my expectation is to tell you what you need to know, not what you want to hear. Um, and I will push back. Ultimately, it's your process, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to arm you with everything you need to have to win this offer. And then it's completely up to you as to whether that's what you do. But at least I've said it, I've given it to them, and they can figure it out. So what do I think about the market? I, I, you know, I, I'm always going to say this. I think the market's great. You know, I, it, because w- does it really matter? <laughs> right. If you need to buy a house, you need to buy a house. And if you need to sell a house, you need to sell a house. So there's different ways and strategies that um, we do and you know about, and people can, you know, contact us offline as far as our our marketing strategies and our offer strategies we're not going to get into it publicly like this um, but we do have some and they're effective and they're exciting um, as far as uh, the the ins and outs of the market so low inventory so that makes for a competitive market um, people ask do you think the market's going to crash um, you know we don't have a crystal ball uh, but I, you sure? I know, I wish we did. We'd, we wouldn't be sitting here. We'd be mm-hmm. on some yacht sailing around the world. Um, but the, the Boston market, I think is always going to, um, be very, very, uh, rich and, and solid because we don't have inventory because we have so many zoning restrictions that don't allow us to go tall like you would in a New York or a Miami so we don't have a lot of speculation building. Right. We can't go, we don't have any more land. True. So, and we have a very diverse economy. So where a lot of people will be losing, you know, commercial spaces after COVID, what's, what's going on with, with all of that corporate space? Well, we have a lot of life science and labs. Those guys can't work from home. Scientists can't work from home. Um, so I think based on the diversity of our economy, one, and one segment can kind of take a hit, but it doesn't affect our market as a whole. Boston is also a very beautiful city, and it's a very manageable city. 
So there's empty nesters. There's young, there's college students. There's young families. Um, so you've really got a tremendous profile, multiple profiles of, of people who are wanting to stay in the city. And we've seen some good expansion um, to the Cape during COVID, which has been very exciting for our business as well. Um, people kind of figuring out, okay, I, I know COVID is coming to an end, but I learned a lot in this. I think I want to spend more time with my family, not in a you know, two-bedroom, two-bath, or a condominium-styled brownstone. Um, and they're making those choices. We are there, they are second homes, but they're spending more time in the second homes. So we're all evolving as the business is evolving as to how we live and, and where we live and where we want to, um, you know, put our, put our investments money-wise in real estate. Exactly. I think that pretty much covers that. That's almost a loaded question at the same time too, because right. it's like, what is the market doing? How, what do you think about the market? Well, are you buying, selling, investing, renting? What are you doing? But the thing is, there is no, as you said from your answer, there is no specific answer to the question unless we know your individual situation. Yeah, just that's, that's great. I was going to say, if you have any interest in, 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 in making a move, give us a call. You don't even have to. We don't sign contracts. We're all about the handshake. You know, so you just give a shout and we can kind of walk you through um, what we think would be best for you based on what your set of circumstances are. Exactly. Um, I think that's the issue with the content at the same time too. We love content. I love content. I love, do, love doing YouTube and things like that too. But especially for real estate, we can do content that's geared around general topics and different things like that. We can give tips when it comes to home inspections of like what it is in terms of that and what it exactly does it mean. But we don't know your personal situation. So it's tough to always be putting out content and things that are geared generally when this is a very specific process to each person. Right. So the really the only way is, and we're not like those type of people that are, everybody assumes like, and we say in our lead form where we just have, if you want have inform, more information, if you want more information, we respect your time. Like if you want to be contacted via phone, yep. text, email, handwritten note, whatever it is, whatever form of communication you're most comfortable with, leave that. We're not going to take your email and sell it somewhere else and bombard right. you all the time with calls and texts. Are you ready to buy it? Have you buy it? <laughs> Have you thought about it anymore? Like, we follow up and you've taught me too at the same time is you follow up with value at the same time too. If you met somebody that's interested in buying a condo in Boston, let's say in the seaport, well, instead of just saying, hey, are you interested in buying or have you changed your thoughts? Sent them, if something goes on in the seaport, some news, new building going on, new restaurant, something, be, hey, I, right. this new restaurant came up. Because then it makes it not about us. Right. And this, this, too many people make it about them, and it really isn't. It's all about our clients and, and our ability to direct them. Um, you know, when we talk about market and, and should I buy, um, I, I can answer that a little bit more specifically. You should buy in this market if you have saved up 20% of the purchase price. If you haven't, it's going to be really tough for you to get any offer accepted. You're going to be competing with cash. Um, even if your, your, your lender will approve you for, you know, a 10% loan that you aren't going to win a competitive deal with that. You're going to frustrate yourself and your agent. Um, so I would say, when should I, should I buy? Yes, you should buy and should be in this market if you have 20% to put down. And the reason you should is because real estate for the most part is always going up. 
and interest rates are historically low. Crazy. If you can lock yourself into a 30-year fix at under 3%, oh my goodness, uh, go for it. Um, will you overpay? And I, I love it when I get asked this question and <laughs> I see the reaction when I give this answer. Yes, you are going to overpay today. Next month, you'll have already made money, right. but you're going to overpay. That's why we have a problem with cops getting, you know, geez, we haven't seen this in the last six months, in the, or last three months is what the, how, they'll, how a bank will, will run the comparable sales. Um, but that's how quickly the market is going up. So, um, yes, now's the time. Um, there's always a time, but now is a great time um, to buy because interest rates are very, very low. Exactly. I think that's another example. I wish I had like a, a boom explosion button, like a bomb <laughs> button. There's a podcast. It's called, uh, his name's actually The Real Bradley and it's called Dropping Bombs. And he, he plays a bomb sound every time. So he says <laughs> something that's pretty cool right there. And I think that's an example you talked about earlier of you're here to tell you the truth. You may not like it at the same time too, but the truth needs to be told. You don't hire, I'm not hiring you to be my best friend. No. Yes, man. Uh, yep. And we yeah, won't, yep, we won't, yep. we won't waste your time. Exactly. We're not going to take you out selling you some kind of story only for you to be disappointed at the end. It's and and think of it. I'm selfish. I don't want to do that. Why would we waste our time doing that if we don't think we can get a deal done? So we're going to tell you what you need to do to get the deal done, and then it's up to you to decide whether that is um, a path that you want to move forward with. Exactly. I think probably next episode we'll talk about maybe dive a little bit more in deep of the market because and just talk about a little bit of tips when it comes to buying because there's a lot of information out there again that the 20 percent thing was a bomb it would have dropped on too but especially you look on social media and different things there's a lot of miss not missing information out there but there's a lot of things going on that makes it seem like it's so great out there like oh it's easy to find a home but the truth yeah. is it, it's not easy to find a home because no. there's no inventory first of all it's low and the ones that are getting sold are having those bigger down payments down or if not all cash right or if not over so how are you going to be competitive sure you can put down 3.5 percent three percent five percent low but you can't you're not gonna be able to win that and that's just the truth of the matter but right a lot of people as you just said want to tell you that too at the same time just to um and it's probably not bad intention at the same time too but it kind of opens the door instead of being like hey like yes you can but that probably won't work in the market and, and you know i i think people they don't mean to they're not intentionally misleading right uh, people want to please you know they they want their clients to feel good they you know buying a home is a dream so they want to help with that dream um but sometimes it, it's it's good business and to say say how it is and 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 let people make that decision perfect all right i think we do want to talk about we're going to do our little uh, mindset minute in terms of morning routine, or we can do that, or do you want to talk about maybe we had a tip of the day? I don't know. You, want to to you know what? Mindset, I think, is a good one. But uh, uh, how you start your day is critical. A morning routine. I, I am I'm a morning person. I It doesn't take me a lot to get up. I'm pretty generally happy and have a lot of energy. So I, I get up in the morning, I catch up on the news, I see what's going on on social media, I do a workout and um, have a healthy breakfast and my coffee and then I'm, I'm off. I like to be moving. I don't just ease into my day. Um, I come home and then ease into my evening, but in the morning I'm up, I'm out. It's a, it's a power punch and um, 
I remember I used to, uh, my friends would always make fun of me. They're like, Lisa, wh- wh- why do you dri- go to the drive-thru at Dunkin' Donuts? You live right across the street from so many coffee shops. I said, no, 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 because I like to get in my car. I don't want to get out of my car. I go through Dunkin' Donuts. They say, good morning, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I feel loved. Right. And I would turn on my music and do loops down by the South Boston waterfront until I was fired up to start my day. So when I was on the phone, when I'm responding to emails, if I'm sending a text, that energy comes through. You can feel it when somebody's upbeat and enthusiastic and ready to go to battle. When I say battle, I mean it in a good way. Um, So yeah, morning routine, super important. Set your intentions. Uh, I guess my my tip of the day would be what I said earlier. Um, Set very strong intentions and then detach from the outcome. Perfect. I don't think I can really, again, the morning routine thing is huge with me too. I think the book that, um, the perfect day by Craig Valentine is a good book mm. to people to read. And you just specifically said that there and I'll just kind of give one little tidbit in terms of morning routine. I did the same thing too. It was funny in college. I would always, you could buy like, uh, I would buy like either energy drinks or like pre-made coffee mm-hmm. and do it at your house or make coffee. But I would always go to Dunkin' Donuts because the <laughs> Starbucks was like, see, I know I liked you. Yeah, tw- exactly. Right. As soon as you said that, I was like, I didn't know that specifically. I knew, knew you, uh, went in the morning and got in your car and, and did a lot of work from the car, but I didn't know that you specifically went to dunks, but I literally would get up and I still do sometimes, especially in college would get up half asleep. And I guess the morning routine wouldn't start at like five as it does now <laughs> or six. It'd be more like nine, 10, 11, some days pushing there, but I would always get out groggy throw whatever I had on sweatpants and, and go to Dunkin Donuts sit in the car get it get my coffee come back home drink the coffee kind of wake up and then do it and the same things now it's like I, I do try to make coffee at home now too but there's a I feel so much more awake if I get up however I look I look like crap when I wake up get in the car go to Starbucks because now there's a Starbucks where I live so I sit in the drive-thru get a coffee and come home and just start work. And the big thing too is everybody has this morning routine now where it's like, oh, get up and I, I gratitude and I meditate and I interpretive dance and all this stuff. And I'm like, I just, I don't know how you can do that. You just wasted so much prime energy. Like just yeah, get I up. Can't. The perfect day is like the thing too. It's like he says, get up and take his morning routine. His name's Craig Valentine, but he gets up, takes him about 15 minutes. He has coffee, takes his dog out and he starts working on his most important task of the day right away and not yep. wasting time doing all this stuff. You can do that later. Nothing wrong with meditating, but like I, I'm personally the person, how am I supposed to get up? I'm already tired and sit there in a dark room and meditate. I'll fall asleep again. Right. I, I do that at night because it makes me fall asleep. Exactly. If I did that in the morning, I, I may never get started. And it's true. The morning, it's beautiful in the morning. It's quiet. It's peaceful. There's no interruptions. It's a wonderful time to get those important things done. Exactly. Definitely want to talk about more. We can talk about in further episodes about morning routines, but I think we're going to wrap it up here any closing thoughts or anything we talked about it we wanted this to be like and we talked about it before too as a a good intro episode to go back and if people are new to the podcast listen to this and kind of see what we're about see what the podcast is going to be about again things will change too but we don't want to be talking every episode about our background and our bias yeah, and no. do that and, and but you'll f- figure out more of our personalities as time goes on and we have different guests and different topics of the days and different little segments of the podcast but any sign-offs you want to say, last-minute thoughts? Um, I think I said all my thoughts, but we're really excited to do this, and we really hope you guys listen and uh, tell all your friends and families and associates um, to tune in. Awesome. So until next time, live, laugh, love real estate, conversations with Lisa and Costa.
Thanks, everyone.